Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Cooperative. You know, this morning, we have as a special guest, Mr. Wendell Paris. Good morning, Wendell. Good morning, Vernon. How are you this morning? I'm doing fine. Trusting that you're okay? I am doing great. Well, mighty fine. I appreciate you giving me this opportunity to appear on your uh, Everything Co-op broadcast. I've been engaged in cooperative development basically all my life. Again, I'm just thank you for this opportunity. Wendell, it's an absolute pleasure. Let me ask you, let's get started right off and ask you, um, how did you get involved in this whole co-op world? <laughs> I got involved in co-op world basically through the work of my father, well, that's one way, who was the Negro agent for the United States Department of Agriculture Farmers Home Administration in the state of Alabama. My daddy worked the whole state of Alabama. He was the only black person working uh, at that time. And a part of his assignment was to establish cooperatives that came as a result of the well, some folks will remember the Roosevelt years. You had the CCC and you had the WPA. Well, the United States Department of Agriculture's alignment with that Roosevelt program was called a Farm Security Administration. And later, the Farm Security Administration became the Farmer's Home Administration. So Daddy had the uh, responsibility of working with black farmers to establish cooperative communities all across the state of Alabama. Wilcox, Alabama, where uh, not a single black was registered to vote. They had a thing called the G's Bend Cooperative. Daddy probably was responsible for getting 80 to 90 percent of the black farmers to participate in that experience. Then in Macon County, Alabama, where Tuskegee is located, you had a thing called the Cotton Valley Community. And I think all of those farmers that were placed on land that they had bought from plantation owners and divided up to establish cooperatives and to put farm families on those 40-acre and 80-acre and 120-acre plots, all of those farmers were basically recruited by my daddy. So daddy would allow my brothers and me to travel with him whenever we could if we were out of school or what have you and, and could make suitable arrangements for us to stay in communities and what have you. We traveled with him all over the state. When we went into northern Alabama, we stayed on the campus of Alabama A&M University, which is the black land-grant college for the state of Alabama. Now, Tuskegee is a land-grant, but it's a special land-grant because Tuskegee is a private school. So here is the state of, the, the, the state of Alabama's 1890 land-grant college is 
Alabama A&M located in Huntsville. So we would travel with Daddy and stay on the campus at Alabama A&M where Daddy had a chance to meet with the not only the extension workers, the, the what was called the county agents and other folks in, and home demonstration agents and other people engaged in, in agriculture, but uh, you had the university experiences as well and folks working so, together to establish cooperative. So what year was this? That uh, Mr. Parrish, what? <laughs> probably starting when we were old enough to travel, probably 1952, 53. I can remember those years about a car that we had. We had a 52 Pontiac, Catalina. So, so that <laughs> okay. was, you know, he had to buy a car every two or three years because cars didn't last back then as long as now. So we were always riding in a relatively new car because he's driving from 5,200,000 miles a year sometimes. So this would have been in the mid fifties, or, or early fifties, mm-hmm. early mid fifties. So I got, so I got that your father worked for the federal government, and he helped blacks to start co-ops back in the fifties. And so, and these these came out of Roosevelt administration, which was the thirties and the forties. Right. 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 Okay. Yeah. And Gee's Bend and Wilcock County and the Cotton Valley Cooperative in and around Tuskegee and Macomb County. Okay. Macomb. And they couldn't vote. They didn't have the right to vote. Nobody had the right to vote. And if No blacks had the right to vote. If you if 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 black people were known to participate in any kind of uh, civic movement, especially the NAACP, then you could not make a loan. You couldn't get a loan from the USDA Farmers Home Administration if they knew that you were a member of the NAACP in Alabama. So Daddy had to get around working, working uh, around, uh, you know, those, those blockages that were coming from the local offices of the Farmers Home Administration to work directly with the national office. Daddy had a good friend with the, in, with the uh, Farmers Home Administration in, in Washington. And his name was George Washington, but his nickname was Honey Washington. And people in the, in, the, in, the, in the Washington area may remember hearing about Honey Washington. But Honey knew the programs of the Farmers Home Administration better than basically anybody there. Well, you know, when different administrations were changed, you would come in with a new head. But Honey was the one, Honey Washington was the one that was there that could bring some type of continuity to uh, black farmer involvement with the USDA, especially with the Farmers Home Administration, which was the lending arm of the USDA at that time. Okay. So early on, you got a a taste of cooperatives. So you said that was one way. What is another way that you got to know about co-ops? Well, the other way was when I was a student at Tuskegee, uh, this was oh, so you got to go to Tuskegee. You got to go to Tuskegee. Yeah, okay, so. well, what happened was they moved Daddy's office from West Alabama in Sumter County, Livingston, Alabama. Daddy was, they pulled the Peter Principle off. You familiar with the Peter Principle? No, no, no. Well, there's a book mm-hmm. written called the Peter Principle. <laughs> what they do is they say the Peter Principle is to move somebody to a level of incompetence. So Daddy was doing such a good job in Sumter County. In fact, he was making more loans than all of the five white associate agents in the county to the point that the the director of the Sumter County office actually 
had daddy approving these white people loans in Sumter County, which was unheard of. I'm saying this is in the night. This is in the uh, early 1950s now. So they pulled the Peter principle on that to move him out of West Alabama, largely because his boss, although he was an agent of the United States government, he was in the business of selling mules, cows, chickens, all of those things that the farmers needed. The man who was running the the, the federal government's office in Sumter County was the one that was in business. You know, this was a direct conflict of interest. And, you know, Daddy had to challenge him on that a time or two. So they moved him to the to the state office, which would have been in Montgomery. But since this was prior to 1964 and the passage of the Civil Rights Act, <clears throat> Daddy couldn't have an office in the state office. So they actually gave him an office back at Tuskegee, where he went to school. So Daddy said they threw the rabbit in the briar patch because now he had unlimited access to farmers all over the state of Alabama. As a result of that, daddy, my daddy, George Paris, was responsible for more blacks on the land than any single person in the state of Alabama. And again, he had a pivotal role that he played in the establishment of those cooperatives that black people established, uh, that black people were, were placed on that land in the state of Alabama. The one that I can think about in Mississippi now is, is, is in Holmes County, Mississippi. It was in what was called right outside of, 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 of Chula, Mississippi, Chula, Mississippi. But Holmes County, Mississippi, they even had those farmers. They owned a cotton gin. It was called a Milestone Cotton Gin, Milestone Community, right outside of Chula, Mississippi, is where the Milestone Cooperative started. Now, the first black person to register to vote in Holmes County in Mississippi was a fellow named Hartman Turnbull, Hartman Turnbull. And Mr. Turnbull was a member of that Milestone Cooperative community. So you see how that connection is beginning to form there? Mm-hmm. You got the black people associated with land, uh, having a sense of ownership. You have black people understanding the power of a collective action uh, coordinated and concerted action on, on, on getting things done for the community. And they were the folks, first folks to to get registered to vote in Holmes County, which was one of the first counties in Mississippi. Well, it was the first county in Mississippi to elect the first state representative uh, in Mississippi since Reconstruction. And uh, the same thing was Mr. in May- Mr. Paris. I'm sorry to cut you off. We're going to come back to this. You've been talking about the history of co-ops and history of voting uh, in America. But we have to take our first break. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. Fourteen fifty WOL. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. And we have the absolute pleasure of having Mr. Wendell Paris on with us. And he was riding around in his daddy's brand-new car in the 50s, early 50s, to going to different schools. And he was seeing co-ops. He was seeing co-ops being formed, seeing co-ops work, the co-ops that have been developed uh, in the Roosevelt administration in Gee's Bend, uh, in Wilkes-Scott County, and in the Cotton Valley Cooperative, located 
close to Tuskegee in Malcolm County, Macomb County. And what I got, uh, uh, Mr. Paris, is that you understood that having ownership, black folks having ownership, being independent, working together to solve problems was the core portion of what co-ops was all about. And with that, folks really exercised the second principle of cooperation with the Democratic, one member, one vote. So for every member in a co-op, you have one vote. So voting and power is not based on how much money you have. It is that you have one membership and you have one vote. So voting is where the power happens, and that's what the power that poor people and black people and marginalized people have in the U.S., so this is constant struggle is what I've seen, Mr. Paris, is this constant struggle between the folks that have money and they have that power and the, every, the masses of people, which 50 percent of, of Americans did not have $400 before coronavirus. It was 47 percent. Didn't have $400 if they had an emergency. So I just say 50 percent of Americans are poor. They don't have any money in case something happens. After coronavirus, that might be 60, 70 percent now. So you, that 60%, 70% have the power at the polls, okay? And you were beginning to talk about before we took the break about how some of these registered voters in Holmes County, you had your first black elected official. That was what you were saying when we took the break. Was that what you were talking about? That's exactly right. Mr. Robert Clark, who was elected in 1967 to the Mississippi legislature, the first black to go into the Mississippi legislature came as a direct involvement with uh, the cooperative movement, that uh, that cooperative that was established in Holmes County called a Milestone Cooperative. They formed the base, the, the membership of that cooperative formed the base of the folks who were organizing and who were encouraging people to register to vote. Maybe your listeners have heard of the thing called the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party, which is established, well, the personality that came out of that was Mrs. Fannie Lou Hamer. But the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party, one of the first chapters established in Mississippi was the Holmes County chapter. And Holmes, the Holmes County chapter of the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party is still in existence today. They still are actively supporting candidates for office and, 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 uh, and con- U.S. Congressman Benny Thompson, from Mississippi, you know, the people for, that were associated with the cooperative there and the people associated with uh, what's called Mississippi Action for Community Education, MACE as it was called, which was established by H. Rap Brown's brother, Ed Brown, uh, that was the basis of, of the, the organizational support that elected not only Benny Thompson, but before him, Mike Espy. So this cooperative movement that you're on here and every every everything cooperative <laughs> is not talking about uh, you know people organizing to buy groceries or to buy uh, fertilizer, but it's talking about the opportunity to change circumstances, to change situations, to change long-lasting oppressive standards that all of us know about all across the country. Some of the cooperatives that we established were based on the fact that people couldn't get good medical care. So you have to establish your own cooperative health centers 
so that you can provide your people with much better care than they, than they, they sometimes no care at all. In some of those counties, there's no way you could get any care. But mm. that came as a result of people working in cooperatives. That's surely the case with uh, Mound Valley, Mississippi, one of the first black towns established in the United States. Mound Valley, Mississippi, came and, and, and the, the cooperative health center that was established in Mound County, the cooperative, they had a, they had a hospital there. The Mound Valley Hospital and later the cooperative health center was established based on those farmers that lived in those communities that were working together, that understood organization, and knew that they just didn't want to keep uh, what they knew uh, confined to their agricultural pursuits, but to engage people in all facets of, of life that would serve to, to make better those uh, atrocious conditions that we were living under and still living under in the South. Wow. You mentioned H. Rap Brown, um, and Ed Brown was his brother in Mississippi. I thought H. Rap Brown and the Panther Party, I thought that was out of California. No, it's not really. The first we know of the Black Panther Party in the United States started in Lowndes County, Alabama. Lowndes County, Alabama was a place that, that really came to prominence during the 1965 Voting Rights March from Selma to Montgomery. Lowndes County is halfway between Selma and Montgomery. And uh, as SNCC, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, who H. Rap Brown, Ed Brown, Stokely Carmichael, and others were that were engaged in, uh, in, in the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, they stopped in Lowndes County and talked to a, a farmer by the name of Mr. Matthew Jackson. And Mr. Matthew Jackson said to Carmichael, to Bob Mance, to Ralph Featherstone, and, and to the others that came, I have a house that you can live in. This house is on my property. It's on land that I own. As long as you stand in that house, you fall under my protection. And if anybody bothers you, then it's my responsibility to care for you. So when the people from California came, Carmichael went out there and asked them to come and kind of serve as observers in the election that was taking place in Lowndes County in 1966. So when they came and saw the level of organization of the farmers in Lowndes County, Alabama, and the fact that Mr. Matthew Jackson had said to, had said to all of them, if I fall, then it, it, it comes down on my son. It falls on Matthew Jr., it falls on James, it falls on Leon, it falls on Johnny. Then if they go down, then it falls on my, my brother, Uncle West Jackson. So all of these folk were in place there and protecting people, protecting the civil rights workers in the community. And that's why when people from California came, uh, they used as a, as a symbol the Black Panther where Cortland Cox came up with that with the and, and Cortland's probably there in DC. Cortland came up with uh, the Black Panther symbol because some students from Clark College in Atlanta, part of the Atlanta University system, had come into Lyons County and brought with them a Clark College yearbook. And the, the symbol of for the Clark College is the Panthers. You had the Clark College Black Panther. 
So that's why the uh, the, uh, the Black Panthers in Lowndes County took place. And again, when folks came from from California, from Oakland, and saw the level of, of organization that had taken place, then they went back to California, to Oakland, and set up the Black Panthers Party for Defense. They used that, that slogan in uh, Lowndes County, vote under the Black Panther and then go home. Why and then go home? Go home to protect yourself and to protect your family. Because you know that the Ku Klux Klan and the white people, all of them consider themselves the Klan. Look, the Ku Klux Klan was coming at you. But go home and protect yourself. Go home and protect your family. Go home and load your shotgun. And hmm. and and in fact, the, the gun that we know that that that, that Stokely Carmichael used was a single barrel shotgun shooting rabbit shot that held this whole country in abeyance. And it all comes from the Matthew Jackson family, which was a member of the Southwest Alabama Farmers Cooperative Association, was also a member of the Southeast Alabama Self-Help Association, which was another cooperative going from Lowndes County east to the Georgia line, and then Southwest Alabama went from Lowndes County to the Mississippi line. So I'm saying this, this is no accident that this takes place. All this comes, it comes to being from the continuous and concerted effort of basically small farmers or, or poor people that you were talking about coming together to organize around what they had in common to use the resources that were available to them, whatever that was. If it was land, okay. If it was sharing a mule, cooking two mules to a one plow, okay. If it was, well, I got a, I got a, I got a plow. If you got a mule, then we'll plow my field. Then we'll come over here and and plow your field. Sir, we got to take our second break. I'm sorry, but we're we're leaving on sharing the mule. Okay, we share whatever we have, and that's what's at the core of cooperatives. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. We have Mr. Wendell Paris on the line with us this morning. Mr. Paris, you've been giving us a great history lesson. Thank you so very much, sir. Um, you've taught me things that I had no idea about. I did not have any. I, I always thought the Black Panther Party started in, in, in California and found out it starts in the South. And they took the skills, the knowledge, the organizations of what folks learn in, 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 in cooperatives. And from this cooperative movement, you end up getting the first elected officials, black elected officials in the South. So elections were always very, very important and the right to vote. And I've said it earlier that the one member, one vote is critical in the co-op, co-op movement. Uh, so who, can you tell us some of the other people that got elected in the South, black folks that got elected in the South that came out of the cooperative movement? Uh, those members of Congress that from the, from the Deep South. James Clyburn came from the Sea Island, sea Island South Carolina cooperatives. Those, 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 those Sea Island cooperatives go all the way back to the Port Royal experiment where those blacks who fought in the Union Army were given those land tracts to set up those cooperatives of, of, of the freed slaves. 
And and so that is a direct continuation of uh, uh, into the cooperative movement that they engaged in South Carolina today. James Clyburn came from that network. Those farmers in South Carolina represented the base of his organizational support in winning uh, his congressional seat. The same thing is true based on Benny Thompson in Mississippi. Again, the, the work that H. Rap Brown's brother was doing with the Mississippi Action for Community Education is called MACE, and the work of the Federation of Southern Cooperatives, they formed the basis of the support for Benny Thompson in Alabama. The, the, the farmers that uh, engaged in Southwest Alabama Farmers Cooperative Association based in Selma formed the basis of the support for Terry Sewell's election to U.S. Congress from the Southern Congressional District of Alabama. So I'm saying all of those folks that you're familiar with, and y'all, y'all uh, rubbing shoulders with Darren Washington, D.C. from the South, they come because of that cooperative base and that independent land ownership base where folks recognize that it wasn't just enough to work single-purposely on stuff. That's what you learn in one organizing effort through that democratic one-person, one-spoke concept that we learned in the cooperative. You utilize that to, to move into other areas. And, and the other area that is, that is natural for you to move into is the right to vote because, you know, that's the single, single most precious right there is in a democracy, the right to vote. So farmers understand that. Landowners understand that better than any set of people in this country. In fact, landowners and farmers, black farmers, vote in higher percentages than do black lawyers, black doctors, black teachers, all of the professional black folks. They don't vote in the percentages as do black farmers in this country. So, yeah, they're elected there. But not only are they elected at the national level, those folks that have gone into the, the, the state offices that's, that's part of the Alabama legislature, that's a part of the Mississippi legislature, that's a part of the Georgia and the South Carolina state legislature. A lot of those folks come straight out of the cooperative movement, the cooperative movement. And uh, there's no way to get around it. You know, when you engage in cooperative development, you come with a higher understanding. You come with a greater appreciation of the independence that is gained from people working together. You're owning your own business. You're making your own decisions. You you know, you got the same, you have the same requirements as do any other form of business. But, you know, we're, we're making decisions in our cooperative movement that white people get a chance to make when they turn 60-something years old. We were doing it in the 20s. The same principles mm-hmm. engaged. But, you know, we, we, we were doing when we were 20 some years old in our cooperative movement. And so, you know, you, you can't fool us too quickly. We understand what it so, takes to organize and we continue to organize. So last week, uh, John Zipper was on the show and he talked to the, the audience here about the Southwest Georgia project that mm-hmm. uh, Mr. and Mrs. Sherrard started in this, uh, 1961. 
yeah. in the southwest section of Georgia, and that's how I met you. So why why is this Georgia Senate vote so important to you? Why are you working to get people out to vote in, in Georgia? Because my continued right to vote in this country is based on what takes place in Georgia on next Tuesday. If we can get those, well, I don't. Uh, is this a nonprofit show you got here? <laughs> no, no, go talk. No, talk, man. Talk. You got. You can open up and talk. This is this is the show. Elected there, then it means that we're going to have a continuation of the Voting Rights Act in the South. You understand that the Voting Rights Act now is a temporary measure. Passed in 65, extended in 1970, extended again in 75, extended again in 82, extended again in 2007. And we still have temporary citizenship rights in this country because we have a temporary right to vote. I say that because all other rights of a democracy are predicated on the right to vote. And if you don't use your right to vote, then you don't have any other rights in this country. So our cooperative movement understands that. The Southwest Georgia Project understands that. They're, they're one of the largest landowners uh, of black people in the state of Georgia. Now, if, at one time, they had over 6,000 acres. They probably still have around 4,000 acres. But uh, Shirley Sherrod and, and her husband, Charles Sherrod, have been there on the ground and working in those rural communities of Southwest Georgia ever since 1961. And you see the effect of that because those are the counties now where you're going to have your higher percentage of voter turnout. When Jesse Jackson ran for 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 president at first time, what was it? Uh, I guess 2000. Uh, I don't know when it was. But the, okay. the first time that he ran, uh, uh, they they were folks who were looking at Chocolate City, were looking at uh, at, at New York. Excuse me looking at Washington, D.C. and saying, well, boom, Jesse's going to win in, in Washington, D.C. And he did win in Washington, D.C. But guess what? The, the communities that gave Jesse the highest percentage of the vote if anywhere in this country were in the Alabama Black Belt among the membership of the cooperative movement in southwest <laughs> and southeast Alabama. That is a known fact. If you don't believe it, check your records and see uh, the okay. county that I was in, Sumter County, we, we voted 76% black for Jesse Jackson, even though we are only 69% of the population of the county. So I'm saying you, it's directly traceable back to the organizational efforts that have taken place, not only from that National Grange Act of, of the United States government, but also as an extension, the logical extension of the civil rights movement that was that took place in those communities in the 1960s. So those folks were organized in our local communities. They understood the power of, 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 of collective ownership. They understood the power of buying and selling together. Uh, you know, we, we were able to, well, I won't ask another, we'll have to come on another time for that. But because of that effort that had gone on in terms of political political organizing that directly translated into the, the cooperative organization that was established and the cooperative development is directly re, re, translated into black voting and voting in the higher percentages that it is known any place in this country. So why, though, is the Georgia election so important? 
I got my reasons. What, what's your reason? Why are these two senators? Because my continued right to vote is based on whether we, the, uh, the Democratic Party will go to, will, will bring out where well, I think it's already passed the House. The John Lewis Voting Rights Act has already passed the House. But the only way you're going to get it out of the Senate is that we remove McConnell. If we can win those two Senate seats in Georgia, then it means that, uh, that uh, Biden, the Harris, uh, the, the uh, Biden and Harris ticket will be able to get legislation passed that's going to stop uh, the voter suppression measures that we see taking place there in Georgia. You know, they took 198,000 people off of the voting roll. Now, they couldn't yep. do that under Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act. If, that, if, if, if Section 5 was still in place, they would not be able to take those people off. If Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act was still in place, they would not be able to reduce the number of polling places from the general election on November 3rd now to the runoff election, because the runoff election is really an extension of the general election. So you, you couldn't change voting places. You couldn't reduce the number of voting places. You couldn't take people off the voting roll for no excuse, uh, just arbitrarily take them off under, under, under the provisions of Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act. So my freedom and the freedom of every black person in this country is kind of hinged, hinged on not only black people, but people of goodwill. Poor white people need the protections of the Voting Rights Act because you're talking about the have against the have not. And although you may have two or three million dollars, you're still a part of the have when you look at these folks having uh, two or three hundred million dollars given to them by their fathers and they blow that. But anyway, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm saying so, so that, that, that clearly my continued Temporary citizenship rights that I have that were granted me under the Voting Rights Act are in jeopardy based uh, uh, now, and they're going to be taken away, and they are being taken away. And the only way to stop that, the best way to stop that is to elect those two folks in Georgia on that Democratic ticket that they will be able to control the Senate and be able to get a vote out of the Senate that's going to give all of us contingent, tempor although temporary, temporary citizenship rights in this country. I'm saying that based on now, if I have a temporary right to vote, it means I'm a temporary citizen. And my temporary citizenship rights are in jeopardy based on these Republicans taking away stuff from us. You know, and and so be that is what is important to me. That's the main I got thing it, and thank you. I got it, sir. We got to take our final break, and we'll be coming back and telling people about the Southwest Georgia Project. We'll be giving you more information about it. We'll be right back. Fourteen fifty WOL. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Uh, the show is Everything Cooperative. We have Mr. Wendell. Paris on the line with us this morning. Mr. Paris, before we took break, we were talking about the importance of this election in Georgia. And so just really quickly, I'd like everybody out there to know that you can go to 
swgaproject.com, and you can donate to the Southwest Georgia Project. Uh, Shirley Sherrard and Charles Sherrard, uh, who Mr. Holmes has just talked about, have started this this project in the in 1961, and they're getting out people to vote in 14 to 16 counties. They focus on 14 counties, but they've got they've got 60 to 75 young people. I think the la- last night uh, Shirley told us was this right that she had 70 young people knocking on doors, helping people to go to the polls, finding out what they need to get out and vote. And that's what's causing this high turnout of voters in Georgia right now. And they need your support. You have anything else to add to that, Mr. Paris? Uh, just again, the, 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 the power to vote. If, if we want to continue to have a democratic form of government in this country, then what happens in Georgia is, 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 is crucial in terms of us having a continuation of our right to vote. The cooperative movement, uh, we say if you can't feed yourself, you can't free yourself. And you free yourself mm. by being able to organize and being able to grow stuff on your own so you can feed yourself. So uh, I thank you for allowing me this opportunity. I'm sorry I ramble on and on and on, but uh, I'm having such a good time talking with you about these issues that are so pertinent to the development of, of black people in this country. I just enjoy it. But throughout this <laughs> United States, you will benefit from what takes place if we can get those two Democrats elected to that U.S. Senate seat in Georgia. So if we get these two elected, then there would be 50-50, the 50 Democrats in the Senate, 50 Republicans in the Senate, and Kamala Harris would be the, the break of any ties so that the right. Democrats have more folks. And that means that McConnell would not be the head person in the Senate. Schumer would become the head person in the Senate. So we have a Democratic head person. And what I have found so interesting uh, that it, it, with McConnell is that the person that's a, the head person in the in the Senate, that's the one that said what gets on the floor to vote. <laughs> so exactly. we definitely want to get him out of there. He's he's so hypocritical; it's not funny. That's yeah, right. So he, you know, he pocket vetoed all of our liberties. You know, he just took what two thousand dollars from me. I never made no seventy five thousand dollars a year, and so. He took eight thousand. Well, not exactly eight thousand. I guess we're gonna get six hundred dollars or something. But you know, I got two dollars here at the house with me. My wife and all of us were looking for our two thousand dollars pay off some of these student loans. Shoot, McCollum mm-hmm. by himself took that from me. So I need to get him out of there so I can get me some money coming so I can pay off some of these debts out. And I say that individually, but I recognize that being the case. About 80% of the people, more than that, about 90% of the people in this country need to have access to uh, resources. Uh, and, uh, especially now, our health resources, these folks talking about taking back that, not only taking back our right to vote, they're talking about getting rid of Obamacare. All of us who need health care, health insurance. I mean, shoot, we have to vote our own self interest this time. And if you got some white listeners out there, they need to understand. Call their relatives in Georgia and tell them. When grandmama, when auntie gets sick, we need to be able to have some resources that are going to help to put them in nursing homes because we're not prepared or equipped 
are able to take care of them at home. So that's what we got hands on here. This, 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 this vote is the most important that I've ever run across. In my history, I've been winning elections since 1966. But uh, this one is the most important. And we just relying and depending on the people in Georgia to do the right thing and go out there and elect those folks who who going to go in and represent our interests and not their own interests. So being from Tuskegee, I want to change the subject just a little bit because we we got to get people out to vote, and please, if you can phone bank, if it's your family members or friends or there's different phone banks you can get on, you can go to the OSOF or the Warnoff campaigns, and they can tell you some people to call. Today is the last day of early red, uh, voters, um, and then on the 5th is when everybody else can vote. And there's already been a huge turnout of, of, of voters in Georgia, and we want to get more and more people out because it's, it's critical for not only the voter rights, but also, as, as, as Mr. Paris just talked about, it is health care, it is housing, it is education, it is the farm bill, it is everything that you can think of that people that we need in order to raise people up. Um, so yeah, let's get out and vote. But being from Tuskegee and everything is, what do you have any comments on this vaccine? Because in Tuskegee they had the experiments, and George Washington Carver came out of Tuskegee, and the, the only the only black man in my history books in 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 the fifties and sixties was him. Uh, the only person in in any of the history books was George Washington Carver and what he did with peanuts in his research. But but all, what, what, all across the South. And, you know, every time when you put some spread on your, your toast in the morning, think about George Washington Carver did that. He, he, he made that margarine butter from peanut oil. And uh, he sent over, made over 300 products from that peanut. Now, Tuskegee is not only known for that, but some, uh, most of your audience will know about the uh, Tuskegee Airmen. But, yeah. Greatest contribution to World War II came not from the Tuskegee Airmen, but from the Tuskegee nurses. Those nurses were on the ground providing uh, uh, services to those those uh, fighting men overseas. That came from the Tuskegee nurses. You never heard that, but nope. uh, but uh, you know the the the, the place is very, very small, located in rural Alabama, but uh, it's just. Uh, has been on the cutting edge of progressive change in a whole in a whole lot of venues uh, that we know about. Uh, so, but uh, I wanted you to comment was, on whether or not whether or not you think blacks should take this vaccine based on yeah. the experiments, based on our history of being experimented with and and death and syphilis and all kinds of things that they injected in us. What do you, what do you think yeah. about blacks taking this vaccine? Well, I think that. Uh, we have to have a, a sense of caution, but now we got to look at what's going to be the most good. You see, this 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 coronavirus is so uh, pervasive that we got to do everything that we possibly can to try to get it reduced to the point where it's no longer uh, the pandemic level that it is. So I'm saying, as soon as I get an opportunity, I'm going to take that vaccine. Uh, I understand that there may be some side effects, but I think it's an instance of trying to do the greatest good in 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 the, in the time frame that we're dealing with. 
you know, we, we probably do need to go ahead and take that vaccine. Yeah, Tuskegee and that syphilis study, yeah, yeah, they did that. They put live syphilis in the community, and the community has never uh, uh, benefited from that. The, the, the participants did get money through a suit that was filed. But the Tuskegee community continues to uh, disintegrate, uh, to, to, to go down as a result of closing of that black VA at Tuskegee, VA hospital is there. So, yeah, but we want folks to consider the greater good. Not only do you protect yourself, but you got to protect your community and the rest of your families by following the science here. And the science here says that vaccine, uh, although it's not 100% sure, it's in the 90-something percent range. And so that's the reason that I don't think I have a choice but to go with it, especially being 75 years old. So I'm encouraging people to, to participate. When you get a chance, take that vaccine and, and still continue to do the, uh, the measures that are called for. They say social distancing. I like to say physical distance. We need to mm-hmm. keep some social stuff engaged here. But uh, let's, let's, let's provide, let's do the physical distancing. And by all the means, you know, every time you leave home, put on a mask, keep it on till you get back home so that we can uh, get hold on this virus. So we're going to get a hold on the virus, protecting myself, my community, uh, my family, and we're going to get out and vote, which gives us the same kinds of things, protecting our community, protecting ourselves, connect, protecting our family. So whether it's fighting against coronavirus or fighting against bigotry, fighting against uh, 400 years of slavery and everything that folks have done bad to us, we can get out and vote and participate in this democracy and give up some money to the Southwest Georgia Project and get out and do whatever you can do to get people to get out and vote in this election in Georgia, which is going to be the fifth. The early voting stops today, and the fifth is today. What else do you want to add, sir? we got about a minute left. What do you want to leave people it's with? It's democracy, but it's the best thing that we know. We sure don't want to trade an imperfect democracy for a racist dictatorship. That's the way we're headed in this country, a racist dictatorship. So, yeah, let's go out and use our right to vote and try to, try to help to improve or continuously to improve this imperfect democracy. I just want to thank you for allowing me to to participate today. I'm sorry I ramble on and on, but... Uh, no, don't apologize. I learned so much, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Don't apologize. <laughs> You're welcome. Let me come on again with you. Maybe I'll do a little better next time. No, you cannot do any better than you just did. Every time I'm learning, I appreciate it. You're 75, I'm 73. We've lived a minute here in America, and every time I learn something new, it's great. And just oh, yeah. before we leave, I had a scholarship to Clark College, and if my mother had let me go, she would not let me go down there in Atlanta. <laughs> I'd have been right in the midst down there with you. Your mother's right a wise woman. <laughs> yep. It was dangerous down here, and it's still dangerous. But we through that vote, we're making some changes. You don't hear any. You don't hear any killings taking place in communities where you have a black sheriff, because black sheriff can deputize the whole county if he needs to to stop all of that foolishness going on. Thank you, sir. We got to go. So we got to go. Everybody out there, thank you very much for being with us. We'll see you next Thursday. Please live cooperatively.
1450 WOL.